So can you guys hear me okay? Is my mic on and everybody can hear me? Okay, great. Um, thank you, Ariana, for that introduction. Uh, that was so sweet of you. Um, you know, I, I do welcome the opportunity to come and talk about what we do at Wiregrass Hope and talk about the issue of life. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the news, there's been, it seems like, more talk about the abortion issue. And um, recently, in December of this past year, or last year, just a few months ago, um, there was actually a Supreme Court case that was heard called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Healthcare. And that um, was from uh, the state of Mississippi. They um, have a ban on abortion that they passed through their state legislator to end, um, to make it illegal to have abortions after 15 weeks, which um, still 15 weeks but well, that's at least something, right? Because currently, um, with Roe versus Wade, it's actually legal to have an abortion up until the time of birth for um, elective. That, that means like there has doesn't have to be a certain reason. You can just elect to do that. So we're in America. We're only one of six countries that allow that to happen um, in the world. So it's. It's so sad. It's so devastating. I think a lot of people aren't aware of the laws and they don't understand how um, how popular it really is and what the numbers truly are. You know, sometimes we can be protected um, from what the truth of abortion really is in America, because I think the enemy's main objective is to deceive people, to um, sell this lie that we as Americans have bought into because it's been happening um, now for almost 50 years. And so we have generations that have been born into this culture that this is a normal thing. This is legal. This is an option, like a really viable option. So I love the opportunity to come and talk to churches, especially um, to student groups, to anyone who will listen about this, because I feel like it can raise awareness and educate um, people on what they can do to be a part of this um, human rights issue for all Americans to care about. So um, today I'm just going to um, start by telling you about what we do at Wiregrass Hope Group. Um, and I'm going to be kind of sharing about what we do at Wiregrass Hope Group as I, I share some testimonies and we talk about the different things about abortion. And I know we have kids in here, and I hope you guys don't mind me just speaking um, plainly, but I think it's so important for us to educate the kids. Because let me tell you, um, Ariana's right. I'm a client advocate at Wiregrass Hope, and so my main job there is to be the primary person, if I'm available, to speak to abortion-minded clients that come in who are wanting some information about abortion. So we've actually revamped our website. And the first thing when you open up our website, it says considering abortion question mark. Um, if you search and Google for abortions in our area, um, Wiregrass Hope is the first thing that'll come up. So that's a blessing because we get a lot of phone calls on a weekly basis from young ladies and, and young men who say, do you do abortions there? Um, if I get that phone call, I'm so excited because I'm like, well, we don't, but how can I help you? You know, we've got information. We can talk about options. I can give you information about the different procedures, um, things like that. So it's important for them to understand what they're asking. And I'm so thankful that if they come to our place at Wiregrass Hope, then they get a chance to, um, to hear the truth about abortion and just to have the opportunity to at least talk to them before they make such a serious decision. So, um, you know, we will get, sometimes we think about um, these people that are coming in and they're seeking abortion and um, a lot of them it's for you know we you I'm sure you know the different reasons you can imagine you know it's not obviously a planned pregnancy as a matter of fact I would say maybe three percent of the pregnancy tests I do are actually planned pregnancy I mean even for the people who are deciding to parent it's not necessarily planned um, so babies can be a surprise and um, they're not on the radar as far as the timing of their pregnancy but the ones that are considering abortion you know of course it's for reasons of financial reasons emotional reasons um, you know the timing really is so much of what it is and 
because the world's narrative is this is an option, so this would be a way to fix whatever my issue is, it gives us the opportunity to really talk to them and kind of sit down and say, well, really, what's going on? And um, to really get into why and try to help them and support them so they may choose life. Um, so I'm going to start um, and I, in the Word, and I just have a scripture that I wanted to read to you before I kind of get started talking about um, what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to start at Luke 10. I don't know if you guys have your Bibles. If you want to follow along, you can. Um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. We're going to read 25 through 37. Give me just a moment. Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Now that was the, the story of the Good Samaritan, and I'm sure sitting in this room, most of you have heard that story and are familiar with it. Um, and before I go any further, I do want to say that in a room like this, when we talk about abortion, um, this, the numbers, the truth of the numbers are that there have been over 60 million abortions performed in America since Roe versus Wade became legal in 1973. That's over a million abortions a year in America. And that, that's about 2,300 a day that are happening. So when I sit in a room like this, there's really a chance that somebody here has had a personal experience with abortion, maybe in your past or maybe through a family member. And when I talk about these things, I'm not in any way trying to pass judgment or shame on you. Um, I hope that you know that God loves you, that no sin that we ever commit is, is too great to be forgiven. And I really speak at a place of love because I see women all the time. One of the questions that we ask them for every pregnancy test is about their pregnancy history and how many times have you been pregnant to include any miscarriages or abortions. And over and over I hear about there have been past abortions in a lot of women's lives. So if that is you, I want you to know that I love you, that God loves you, and of course he forgives you when you ask for repentance and he forgives all of our sins and we've all sinned and fallen short. So I do want to make sure that I, I communicate that to everyone in this room. And we do offer post-abortion counseling at Wiregrass Hope. So if you know someone who could benefit from that or if that's something that speaks to you, please reach out and let me know. But when we read that story about the Good Samaritan, the question is, um, you know, how can I inherit eternal life? And he says, what does the law say? We know to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And I think all of us are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to say, that's part of the law. That's why he says, yes, if you do these things, you will inherit eternal life. Well, who is our neighbor? 
I'm going to talk about two neighbors today that I want to inspire you guys, I hope, to love more and love better. Um, one is our unborn neighbor. When we talk about the unborn, we're talking about our fellow human beings that are um, still in their mother's womb. You know, as the science is on our side today more than ever. You know, maybe back in 1973, it wasn't as um, known about what was happening in the beginning stages of pregnancy. They didn't have um, maybe advancements in the ultrasound machine and, you know, the research and the technology in order to see what's happening in pregnancy. But we know today, and then we've got these fetal models um, back there on the um, back table, and I love them because such a visual of what's happening on the inside. We are a distinct and whole human being living from the moment of conception. Um, and you know, it's interesting when I talk to clients, um, there's not really a lot of debate about that they are actually carrying a baby, that their baby is human, that their baby's alive. Um, you know, the, the lie in the, what the world is, well, what's the question is, when do they become a person? When do they have the same rights as someone who is living? And so, you know, we want to think about these unborn neighbors. And we have certain classes of people who've been discriminated against since the beginning of time. Um, you know, we can go back to to World War II when Hitler was discriminating against the Jews and how did, I mean, they were human. They were, they were equally human as anybody sitting in here, but what was the difference? They were different than they were and they convinced their, their cause and they justified their cause because they were less human than them. Their, their rights were less than them. Um, and so, you know, that's what is, is a correlation to what's happening with abortion, that this group of people, this genocide that is happening for these young babies is happening because they don't have a voice. No one's, um, not no one, but, you know, the, the, the law is not protecting them. And the church is, needs to really be empowered to stand up and protect these unborn. Now, that is who we're defending. That's our, our neighbor is this unborn neighbor. Um, you know, one, one thing I hope that just by talking about this and, um, you know, there are lots of good causes in the world. We want to make sure, you know, we're talking about lots of different things that could be done. But to me, you know, my husband says sometimes like, not everybody cares about abortion like you. I'm like, they should. They should all care because the right to life, if you're not born, you don't get a chance. You have no opportunity. Who cares if you have, you know, a law that protects, you know, something else? Because you, you have to be born in order to enjoy those rights. And so we, as a people, as humans, we need to stand up for human rights. We need to stand up for these unborn babies. We need to make it unthinkable to take their life. And so when I talk to people, it's amazing, even sitting in this room, I may have people who are thinking, well, you know, abortion is kind of a tricky issue. When you're talking about it, I mean, you don't understand. Maybe sometimes the circumstances that people are being you know, that got them pregnant or just, you know, this baby's going to be born and it's going to be a really difficult situation for the family and for the child. But I want to just kind of put out there a basic premise that I have found and I've read over and over that has really helped me when I'm having discussions about this issue of abortion. Um, it is, the first is to say, is it wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings? And I feel like most people will agree to that, right? Um, abortion intentionally kills innocent human beings. Therefore, abortion is morally wrong. If you're having a discussion with someone, if you have a talk with someone and they're like, oh, but what? I mean, just not recently, I was sitting on the back porch at our um, farmhouse and we had some neighbors over and they Someone's like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, so I told him. And so this guy, he's a Christian. He goes to our church. And, you know, he's a, in his 60s. And he was like, yeah, I think abortion's wrong. I mean, but, I mean, if somebody was raped, I mean, then. So, you know, there's, there's always these questions that people have. When you stick to this basic premise of is it wrong to intentionally kill an innocent, innocent human being? Abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. Therefore, abortion's wrong. We can't say if maybe this 
child was conceived in rape, or maybe this child won't be taken care of properly because the family doesn't have money. All those things, we would not take a born person and apply those same things. What if their dad was a rapist and they were like sitting there and you met them and you found out what their dad did? Well, does that give us a right to kill them? So when we're talking, when we're having these discussions, sometimes it can be really complex and you can get really heated and really emotional and people will come at you with, well, what about this circumstance and what about medical and what about this and that? You know, you know if you can in your mind kind of laser focus, I hear what you're saying and those are really difficult times and really difficult situations, but still, is it ever okay to intentionally take the life of an innocent human being. So that's a way that we can love our unborn neighbors to really zero in on that right to life, to really say that they are human, they have equal rights to us, um, and that the difference between them and the difference between us, which we talked a little bit about last time, isn't really enough to justify taking their life. Their size, if they're smaller than us, that doesn't, that's a comparison. I mean, you know, that little girl that came up here was smaller than me. Does that make her me more of human than the little girl, right? Um, level of development, environment, degree of dependency. All of us know if you have a newborn, you're holding that newborn, they are very dependent, right? Um, just as much as a baby in the womb. So those are some things that just to help defend the unborn and to really humanize them. We have the science. Um, there are so many opportunities to convince people and to change people's minds just by the science of, of that human nature. Um, but um, I'm going to talk about a second group of neighbors that I want us to love well. And those are going to be our moms um, that are facing an unplanned pregnancy. Our moms who are these neighbors that we need to love and that we need to support because they are in crisis. Um, sadly, so many of them are just in this desperate situation that you know when you're sitting there talking to them, you really can't pull out the science and say, oh look, this is a baby, you know, um, this is, the, you know, they know it's a baby. They're still, they're disconnected from the fact that it's a baby right now because they're feeling this panic and this, this need of like, I've got to solve this issue because I can't be pregnant again. Um, to kind of give you an example of someone that um, came in to just kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about when we're saying to love our um, mothers who are our neighbors that are um, in our communities. So, you know, I shared last time, and I don't know if everybody was here, but I had an unplanned pregnancy. I was a teenager, and um, thank goodness I had such lovely Christian parents who loved me so well and just um, supported me, and they were, you know, very disappointed, and it was a very, you know, difficult thing for our family to face, but they didn't hesitate in, in saying, actually, the father of the baby um, said the first thing to me, he said to me was, well, you're going to have to get an abortion. And I honestly didn't even understand what abortion, I was like, what? And then my parents were like, no, you're not doing that. And, you know, because, of course, they didn't believe in that. But at, through my line of work, one thing I've realized is that my situation, which with Christian parents who were so quick to say, absolutely not. We will love you. We will help you. We will take care of you. You are not alone. We will give you full support. This child will be fine. You will be fine is very much not the common thing that happens for these for for most women who find out they're they're pregnant most of them are in um, difficult relationship situations um, are estranged from their parents have parents who are not um, kind of not stable enough to take care of themselves much less take care of someone else um, these are women who are in really really desperate situations um, we have to have compassion for them and it's not just the young women too you know sometimes we think teenagers or young people I've, I've I had a woman who was 38 years old come in just a, a couple weeks ago um, she She's working on a master's degree. She's got three other children. She was very sharp. She was very, um, you know, beautiful. And she had called saying, do you provide the abortion pill there? And I, and I answered the phone and I said, no, we don't. I said, but are you, are you considering abortion? Are you calling for someone else? And she said, oh, no, I am. 
Um, I just need to know where to go. I said, oh, well, you should come here um, so I can talk to you. And I said, you know, we don't provide it here, but I will talk to you about, like, you know, all the things. And so she was like, okay, I'll come in. And so, you know, she came in, and I met with her. And I sat there and talked to her for quite a long time, and she was very determined. Um, she was just like, this is not a good time. Um, I'm engaged to someone, and the father of this baby is not that person, and I'm not going to tell this other guy, and I've got this situation, and I'm in the middle of my master's, and I could tell that she loved her kids, um, that she had. She didn't have them with them, but she was asking them about her, and, stuff. and she said, this is just not a good time. I mean, I just cannot have this baby, and I realized that there was just such a coldness in the hearts of so many women because they didn't they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the creator of life. They don't know that we're made in his image. They don't really understand the concept of, um, you know, why that every child has a life and a purpose and that God has a plan for them. And, you know, so I start talking to her. I try to connect like, well, tell me about your beliefs. What is your background? What's your faith? And she said, well, I used to be a Christian, but then I had an awakening and now um, I'm into yoga and holistic and all this stuff and spiritual things. And so I really just, just prayed while she was talking. I was just like, Holy Spirit, just help me to say something that can help connect. And, you know, we just had this long discussion and I said, well, I, I did yoga before. I was like, and every time I went to yoga, they were always talking about, you know, um, life and, you know, all this stuff. I said, so, you know, this, you know, we kind of went back and forth. And at the end of the day, loving her well, I couldn't make her do anything I wanted her to do. But it really was about just communicating as much as I could in that moment about the purpose of life, about this child, and trying to help her connect to that baby. And um, we went in there, we did an ultrasound, and she was very early along. Um, and so I've invited her back for another ultrasound, and we'll see if she comes and we'll kind of follow up with her. But these women, I mean, she was 38. She knows the science. She has had children. So we have to realize who these people are. They are neighbors. They are maybe coworkers that you have. Um, they are maybe people that you're going to just have a contact with. To be mindful of conversations that you can have that can influence people that may be in that situation. Um, we had a, a girl in that, because I want you to know that it's not always a happy ending. Um, she was expecting, obviously, and she went and had, I guess there's some kind of blood work that you can do that can kind of be a screening for different um, things that could be happening with the baby. So her doctor's office gives her a call and says, you have a percentage that your child might have Down syndrome. And so thankfully, we were able to connect with her and we talked with her and we, um, she was pretty far along. But the father of the baby said, I don't want a baby that has something wrong with it. I don't want to have a child that has, you know, anything that, well, he kept using the word retarded, which we know that's not what that would be at all. And so we try to educate her. We will connect you with other moms that have Down syndrome babies. Like, this is such a great thing. And ultimately, though, that, that voice that we could be in that center was um, not greater than the voice of the world, um, not greater than the voice of the medical community, believe it or not, um, not greater than the voice of her, the father of the baby. And so we have to change those conversations in the workplace. We have to change those conversations um, out there because inside those pregnancy centers, we only have that short little window and all this other influence is happening. Um, she did go on to choose abortion for that child, and it was so hard. It was so heartbreaking, but I really learned that we, it's a community of voices that can really make the difference. Um, so I did want to, um, you know, talk about that, but you know, when we talk about women that come into our center, and we're talking about hope, and I love that Ariana shared this, it is about the gospel, because they are in such situations that they need encouragement. And when I think about the church, and when I was thinking about coming here today and talking to you guys, um, I was excited because with, if Roe versus Wade gets overturned and abortion becomes an issue for the states, 
then a lot of our southern states like Alabama will be able to implement their heartbeat law, which we've already passed, um, but it's being held up right now because of opposition. Um, so we are going to have hopefully a whole southeast that is going to say that abortion is illegal. So guess what's going to happen? We're going to have a lot of moms that are going to be in crisis. Their circumstances are not going to change. They are going to be desperate. They're going to have, they may not have a good living situation. They may not have a, their own place to live. They may not have, um, you know, a job. They may not have daycare for their kids so they can go to their job. All these types of things are they, needs that need to be met. And who can meet those needs to help support them in having these children and help support them and bring those kids into this world? Um, so I want us to be thinking of ways that we can do that, ways that we can be connected to really support these women. Because when I talk to them and they're sitting there telling me, look, they've got a four-month-old in their little car seat and they're like, I'm pregnant again. I'm just not having another baby. I'm just telling you, I've got my hands full of this one. I've got three at home, you know, and all this stuff. Me saying, I'll give you diapers for this one, isn't really going to fix that feeling that she's having in that moment, right? So we really have to think of ways as a community, as a church, as believers, to say, God, how can we minister to these people? How can we be a resource beyond diapers and formulas and counseling? Well, we, look, you don't have a place to live. You're living with your sister on her couch. Well, we have these apartments that we know that we can help you kind of get in and maybe you can have a month you know that we're help you know whatever I don't know I don't have answers to that but those are the kinds of questions as believers that we need to be thinking about and being like Holy Spirit lead us how can we be available how can we be a part of helping our our, our neighbors that are these mamas that are coming in, that are filling that situation. Um, and this is what's exciting when I think about these young people and I see the teenagers here and the, the kids, because let me give you an example of someone who came in. Um, it was a young lady and she was living with her boyfriend and she was pregnant. She had gone to the ER because she had, was having some situation and they actually told her she was pregnant and she was pregnant with twins. And she was, they didn't have, she didn't work and her boyfriend had, was living with his friend. They were all, it was just not a good financial situation. And so she came in and she sat down and, she, and I was like, well, how can I help you? She's like, I need you. I cannot parent. I just cannot have these kids. Like I can't, I didn't think I could have one kid. Then I found out I was having two kids. I cannot have these kids. And I was like, okay, okay. Like I'm embracing myself for this conversation we're about to have about abortion. And she never mentioned the word abortion. She said, I really need to know my options. I really need to know about adoption. And I was like, oh, wonderful. Yes, yes, let's talk about adoption. You know, so we had this whole conversation about adoption, and she was just going on and on about, you know, how she knew where she was, that she wouldn't be a good place and um, for her to parent. And then, you know, at the end of the conversation, I, the, the word abortion never came up. And so I said to her, I'm so thankful that you never even considered abortion, but I'm just curious because it was a pretty, you know, I've heard some situations, and this situation was pretty tough. And um, I said, why? didn't you ask me about abortion being an option? And she was like, because I know what that is. I can never do that. I can never do that to my child. The ones that have come in and, and their circumstances aren't any better than someone who comes in, but the ones that have been taught and have been convinced and have that con conviction before they're in crisis are the ones that don't even put it on the table. It's not even a part of their, their, their dialogue. I had another girl just come in the other day, and she um, works at the hospital. She works the night shift, and she's doing nursing school, and she's trying to do all this stuff. And I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. And the father of the baby was really telling her, like, we can't keep this baby. And, you know, and like I said, she never really used the word abortion. We went on this whole thing, and she said, well, one of the questions that we asked um, each pregnancy test is, um, so if you are pregnant today, what are your intentions? Parenting, adoption, or undecided? Well, if they say undecided, then I kind of know where the conversation is going to go. Well, she said undecided, and so we start talking, we start talking. She goes, well, I really am just considering adoption. And so I was like, oh, that's 
great. Okay, let's talk about that. And so um, we really connected and she's such a sweet girl. And I do think she's going to go on to parent um, herself. But um, at the end of it, I asked her the same thing. I said, you know, we had this whole conversation. Why didn't you mention a, a, abortion? So because I can never do that. I know what that is. I can never, ever take the life of my child. So what I found is that when um, Gabe had asked me a couple years ago to talk to his high schoolers, I probably didn't do the best job. But now I'm more passionate about it. And if I get a chance, if you invite me to your school, I'm talking about abortion because I want these kids to know what it is. I want them to visually um, see an animated cartoon that shows this is what's happening when we talk about the act of abortion. This is what it actually does because I want them to be appalled. I want them to be disturbed. I want them to really think, I don't care what my situation is. I would never do this. And so that's really a way to help prevent future abortions. And, you know, not to say there, the statistics actually are um, six out of 10 women who get abortion say they attend church. So the statistics are like if you were just raised in church, doesn't mean, or if you know about God, doesn't mean that that may not be something. But I think the ones who actually had parents who discussed it, who really said, not only do we not believe in it, but do you know why? Do you know what that actually means are the ones that really have made that difference? Um, there's something that I wanted you guys to be aware of because it is an issue politically that we need to understand about our laws is, you know, we have what we call um, surgical abortions, which I'm sure you guys can, you know what that is. But then we also have what we call chemical abortions, where they can take um, a series of two pills. That first pill um, blocks the nutrients from getting to the to the baby. And then the second pill, they'll take a couple days later and it actually will cause them to have their cycle and um, flush the baby out. So um, the chemical abortion um, was is legal up until 10 weeks. Um, and so that's something that they can do. They have to go to the abortion clinic, they get their pill, they take that first pill there, and then they give them instructions to take the second pill a couple days later. Well, the FDA, because of COVID and because of our administration, just recently lifted the ban on getting those pills for chemical abortions um, where you don't know, you do not lo no longer have to go to an actual abortion clinic. You, they're, they're making it available to order online, um, and so people can order it and get it through the mail. And this is really a big deal. This is really a problem because these are really dangerous drugs um, that don't need to be taken um, lightly, and there's no check and balance. You know, there really is that time frame of that 10 weeks or less, otherwise there's even more complications. And so it's really something to look into and to really consider how, you know, when you go to vote, when you have an opportunity to communicate to people that this is, you know, legislation that this is wrong. Um, but I want you guys to be aware of something called the abortion pill reversal. Um, because we recently have experienced that in our center. Um, we had a client that came in and we did the ultrasound with her. And um, the ultrasound machine, by the way, is amazing. We recently got an upgraded ultrasound machine. And this is a key thing to show these girls the babies. Um, and, you know, sometimes I have these abortion-minded clients and I just pray and I say, God, please just let this baby show off. You know, and they will. These babies are amazing. They'll, um, you know, wave their arm or kick their little feet and move. And, you know, of course, depending how far along they are. But, if, you know, after about five to six weeks, we can see and hear the heartbeat. So whenever I have someone come in, I mean, I'm like, oh, we'll go, we're going to do an ultrasound. And just that connection and that, the hearts and minds that can be changed just by seeing that baby um, is amazing how, how, that, how effective that really is. Um, but this client came in, she was under distress, and her boyfriend was really pressuring her, and she really felt like that was her only option. And so she um, left us on a Thursday. And then on a Saturday, she did. She went. She traveled to the abortion clinic in Columbus, Georgia, and um, got took the first pill. Well, that night um, after she went in there and had that 
experience in the clinic and they she took the first pill and then of course they sent her home with the second pill um, she really just started thinking about what she had done and the regret that she was feeling and she just started she said I couldn't sleep I just got up and I just was like I can't deal with this like what am I going to do what what if you regret it like you can't go back so she gets on um, the computer and she does an internet search and what do you do if you regret um, taking an abortion pill and so there came up a hotline for abortion pill reversal. So she called and she talked to a nurse and they got the information and she qualified because she was within that window. And so there's a doctors, there's nurses and doctors that are connected to that hotline. And so they connected her to that doctor that went ahead and did the prescription for the reversal, which is just a hormone progesterone, um, which all the pregnant women will be naturally making, but that first pill blocks that hormone from being made. So the reversal is actually just the progesterone, just a high dose, just to give it to that baby until that block wears off and then our bodies start making the progesterone on its own and so she took that progesterone and they contacted us as a local pregnancy center um, because she was from the Dothan area and said can you do a follow-up ultrasound with her and I said we said of course yeah so she came in and there was a heartbeat and the baby was there and the baby's okay but it didn't mean she was out of the woods it's 70 percent chance if they do it with the, the, the guidelines that the baby will survive. But at least we had the chance, right? It was so exciting. And, um, but guess what? Talking to her and connecting with her, her circumstance didn't change. As a matter of fact, her boyfriend stopped talking to her. He's still not talking to her. Um, she's taking this high level of progesterone and it, it, that's like you know, 10 periods at one time. So your hormones are crazy and you feel so bad. And, it, you know, if you, you know, sometimes in that first trimester of pregnancy, if you have a lot of morning sickness, they mean, they say it means you're really pregnant. That's because your hormones are really hyped up. So you have a lot of morning sickness type symptoms. And, she, you know, over the course of the next couple of weeks, she was struggling. She was struggling mightily about, should I have even done this? Now I've got all these problems. Now my boyfriend's not talking to me. I need to go to work. I'm at work. I'm so sick. Now I'm trying to get in to see the doctor. Our doctors in this area are not really educated about this, and she did not get a, have a good experience in the doctor's office, um, sadly. And so that was against her. And so, I mean, literally, you guys just... You can imagine the battle, the spiritual battle that was going on for this little child. And, you know, she really was feeling desperate and she really was just um, really struggling. And it kind of all came to a head and she hadn't ha seen um, the baby since that first day, that Monday after she had taken that pill. Um, and so we got her back in for another ultrasound. It had been a couple weeks because the last text I got from her, because I've been texting her and just checking in with her, and she's like, I don't think I can do this. This is just too much. I mean, this is just, I, I, I made a mistake. Um, and I was, and you know, of course, speaking life, you know, you have it. No, you've got this, you know, just keep, keep, stay strong. You know, God has a plan. You've come so far. And um, she came in um, just recently and we did that ultrasound. And when she walked in that door, though, I will say she was not in a good place and it was not good energy. And um, we, I said, okay, okay, let's just come back and let's just do the ultrasound. And that baby, and I have it on my phone. I was trying to think of a way to like get, get the screen up there. If you could just see that baby on the screen, she's now about 10 weeks pregnant. And that baby was so healthy looking and so perfect and um, just kicking its little legs. And, you know, I, and, and just that connection at that moment, whatever doubt she had about making that decision, I can promise you, I just saw it break off of her. But it was loving her and we had to love her through this whole process. It wasn't pretty, it was difficult. Sometimes my husband's like, who are you on the phone with? I'm like, just texting, 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 because sometimes it's not at the right times, you know, you can't just put it down. To say, I will stand by you, I will walk through this with you. And if your boyfriend's not talking to you, that's okay, I'll talk to you, I'll help you. Do you need help with your work? Do you need, a, you know, whatever the resource could be, but really the emotional connection, the spiritual connection to say that God loves you and that he has a plan for this child so that is a, a something this reversal needs to be part of education um, because people who are desperate sometimes they walk out of the office and they may even say oh I've changed my mind 
What if they haven't? What if they get back in that, that group of people that are, are convincing them and their own thoughts? I want them to know that there is reversal out there as a possibility. And that's something that we really need to promote and we really need to make sure that that's known. So um, to kind of leave, leave kind of wrapping it up, um, I wanted to just say what can we do to truly love our neighbors as we were commanded to? You know, we talked about the unborn and we talked about the expected moms. And um, I've already kind of mentioned it about education, like just conversations. People that you may assume are pro-life and they may even say they're pro-life. Dig into that conversation. Really? Okay, let's talk about that. Isn't this exciting? What can we do? Um, being involved, whether it's through a pregnancy center, they have sidewalk counselors. Um, pray about how you can be a part of this because there's a lot of good causes, but this is the one that we were talking about that really starts everything, right? The right to life. Thank goodness our parents chose life because we're here and we can have this conversation. How can we help others to choose life? Um, and be, you know, think about of creative ways that you can be a part of helping with this cause. I feel like, you know, the, there's so many gifts and talents within each person. And as believers, the Holy Spirit can, can put things on our heart that might just be so obscure that nobody else really thought about, but it could be a niche way to support someone or help someone to, to be open to that. Um, to, to not, to be sensitive about how we talk to people because we have to realize that they're always, when we talk about the numbers of 2,000 abortions a day, over a million abortions a year, 60 million since, since it began, we need to make sure that we're always talking in love and we're always talking in kindness because we need to be communicating God's love, his forgiveness, um, his hope, his, you know, his message, um, and to really be sensitive to that. And, um, you know, my mom and dad, I told you guys, were just strong believers. Um, and I, thankfully, I was raised in a Christian home, and um, I knew what it felt like to have unconditional love, and I knew how it felt to be so secure and so um, loved. And I love these kids are in here, and don't take it for granted that your parents are Christians, and they love you, and they bring you to church and all those things. But... Um, my mom, one of her favorite, she loved to read and she loved missionaries. And um, one of, she'd always share stories about people doing things for others and kind of always trying to inspire us to think outside of ourselves and think about other people. And one of them was Mother Teresa is someone that she was really familiar with. And when I talk about my parents, um, their life that they lived. My dad was in the military. He was a helicopter pilot, and they, my parents were married for 49 years and had six kids, um, all kinds of grandkids and great grandkids. And um, I just really was blessed with great um, parents. Um, my dad was retired from the military, and one of the dreams that my dad had was to own his own plane. Um, he was an aviator, and he loved flying, and so, you know, being a dad of six kids, which I think a lot of you have multiple children, you know what it's like. My dad never really got to do anything he really liked to do, you know, like he never bought anything for himself. So when the kids were grown and um, dad kind of saved his money, he was like, well, I'm thinking about, you know, buying a plane. And we're like, do it, do it. You need to do it, dad. So he bought a plane um, several years ago and he was so generous with it. I mean, he would fly anybody and like, he'd be like, oh, hey, how are you? You want to come fly with me in my plane? Like he just loved taking people up and um, just going to visit the family. I have four brothers and one sister. So we're kind of all spread out and um, you know, just living a life of serving and loving others, being generous, um, and and just loving God, it's being totally sold out um, their whole life. So it was uh, 2017, um, March actually of 2017, we're kind of coming up on the anniversary of this, and um, I'll never forget, it was a Monday, my husband travels for his work, and I was with him traveling, and we were in Mobile, and he was working, and I was shopping, and it was a great day, and then on Tuesday, um, you know, we're supposed to just go for the day and come back, and then on Tuesday, I had a hair appointment, 
um, endothin, and it's really important. So Monday afternoon, my husband, he's like, hey, guess what? We need to stay overnight because I need to be in Mobile on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 I got a hair appointment. We can't. And so anyway, my dad, I, he said, well, I don't want to drive all the way back from Mobile and then I'll drive. I said, I know, I'll call my dad. And then, so I said, Dad, what are you doing? He was like, nothing, just got home. I said, well, can you come pick me up in your plane um, to, you know, I'm in Mobile and I need you to come. And he said, oh, yeah, sure, we'll be there. And so they, my mom and dad flew down and um, picked me up on their plane. And um, that evening they flew me back. They, my dad kept his airplane and Enterprise. And um, we had the best night. You know, it was just the greatest sunset. And just, um, I was talking, I was sitting in the front with my dad. And you know how you have the headphones on and the little mic boom. And um, I noticed my dad had a new, like, music playing. I was like, Dad, the music, I like it. It was like the Temptations and, um, like, just old-timey 50s and 60s, you know, movie. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's my new playlist. I was like, Dad, how do you even know about playlists? He was like, I downloaded it on my iPad. I was like, oh, okay. And then what was so funny is then the mic boom, um, if you talked, the music went out. And so my mom was sitting behind us, and she was singing. So then the music went out, and all you heard was her singing. And so my dad, he called my mom, mom. He's like, Mom, my mom, we can, we can hear you singing. She goes, I know, isn't it so great? Like, she didn't know. And so then we're like, oh, yeah, it's so great. And then, you know, she'd you know, just be singing. And it took a while for her to figure that out. And she was so embarrassed. Oh, my goodness, I didn't know that y'all were hearing that. So we just had the most magical night, right, and um, just laughing and talking and um then we land, and they have to drive means back to my house because I don't have my car. And um, just uh, we were doing a marriage, um, a small group, me and my husband. And I told my dad in the car driving back, I was like, "Yeah, you know, we're talking about husbands, and we're talking about dads." And my husband was telling about my dad and what a great dad my my dad was, and good husband and everything. And my dad's like, "Oh no, no, no." He's like, I, I wouldn't be anything. I could not do this without without God. He was like, you know, he gave me your mom. And, you know, I just, he said, and it was funny because my dad wasn't super scriptural, you know, like, even he, like, he was like, but, you know, I says in the Bible to love your wife like Christ loves the church. And he was like, and I do that. And he was like, I always, um, you know, have lived by that. And so it was just really amazing, like just a beautiful night. So the next day, which was Tuesday morning, my parents are already scheduled to go on a trip. They were flying. It was the week of spring break, um, and they were headed out to go to the Noah's Ark uh, replica, like maybe in Kentucky or something. And they're getting the, they get back in the plane on on that Tuesday morning. And my son, that teenage pregnancy that happened 30 years ago, um, he lives in Enterprise so at the time, and so he met them at the airport to kind of just see them off. And my um, dad's in the airplane, got it going, the, you know, propellers going and everything. I'm like, Josh is out there with my mom trying to help her get in the plane. And she turns around, her hair's blowing with the propeller and everything. And she turns around and she says to Josh, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. She gets in the plane. They take off. And about 45 minutes later, the engine quits. And my dad, you know, who's a seasoned pilot, he does everything he can to restart the plane. And there's nowhere to land the plane. There's just nothing but woods. And um, they crash. That airplane crashes. And when they crashed, it kind of came in on the trees and it flipped forward. And my mom, she died on impact. And my dad, he survived the crash. And he... Um, you know, it's upside down. We found a little pocket knife where he cut her seatbelt. He pulls my mom kind of as far as he can away from the um, wreckage. Um, he has an exposed fractured leg. He's got some head trauma, but um, of course he had made his call, so they're trying to get help to them. But they're in the middle of the woods, so you can't just get right there. So it takes one hour before the first responders come. And when they come, my dad is... Um, the, the, the deputy that found him, he said, I didn't expect anybody to be alive. And when he came up on, over the hill, they of course, caught on fire and the jet fuel and it, it was all charred and all burnt. And my dad was sitting there on his knees and he was fanning out the flames around my mother. And he was protecting her from being burned. But my dad was burned over 60% of his body and 11 days later, He'd been life flighted, and of course, um, in, in Atlanta, and he passed away. 
So I lost both my parents kind of so quickly and so tragically. But, you know, I'm so thankful that they lived a life that made a difference while they were here. As a matter of fact, while I was sitting in this service and you guys were praying and you were, you were singing, I thought, my mom would love this. She would love this. She would love the community. She would love the family. She would love the value that all of you stand for. And so, but we never know when that day is going to come. We never know when our name will be called. But how many lives can we touch? How many people can we minister to? How generous can we be? How, how um, loving can we be? How forgiving can we be? And I'm so thankful that I had parents that modeled that for me, that showed that to me. And the one thing in my mom, which she always had these little things she would tell us, but from a very young child, she would always have this Mother Teresa quote, and she would always ask us these questions. What have you done for Jesus? What are you doing for Jesus? And what will you do for Jesus? And when we think about these little unborn babies and we think about these moms who are struggling, just like Mother Teresa when she ministered to all those people in India and, and the world, she said, I look at them as if they were like Jesus. When, when the, in the scripture that says, when you do this to me, you do it. When you do it to the least of them, you're doing it to me. And that's the visual that I hope that all of us can take away. That when we see these moms that maybe aren't so lovely and their situations are, are not that great and, and, and it's hard to talk to them and hard to connect with them, that we think about Jesus and we think, you know, even if this is hard and not comfortable and not something I want to do, I'm going to do it as if I'm doing it to Jesus. And what a difference that would make. So I do have a little video that I wanted to share with you guys. And this is a testimonial about an actual client that we helped. Her name is Miriam. And I met with her. She was um, expecting. She has had a previous abortion. She has a child that's like three years old. And then she got unexpectedly pregnant again and had an abortion. And then she came to us with a new pregnancy. And when I met with her, she said, I don't want an abortion. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And she... Um, this is a little clip about her choice for adoption. But at the very end, this is a video that we played at our banquet for our fundraising. So at the very end, they do kind of say something about giving. This is not about giving. I don't want you guys to give anything. But I didn't have an edited version to leave that part out, if that makes sense. So um, if we'll go ahead and watch this. I heard about Ryan Grasco through my aunt, Edie. Um, she was struggling in her past, and so I walked in here, wanted to know everything possible, you know, what all do you do here, um, resources you can help me with, and um, kind of help me through what I was going through. And that's what, that's exactly what I got from you. They helped me through everything, and then some. So when Miriam came into the office with her Aunt Edie, um, I was had the privilege of meeting with her and she um, was interested in adoption. And I was re really kind of taken back by that. I said, well, how can we help you with that? Like, what information did you need? And so she had lots of questions. You know, we don't necessarily do adoptions here, but we do have partnerships with wonderful adoption agencies. It just really was neat to see the love that she had for this baby from the very beginning, from that very first time that I met with her. I have a four-year-old daughter. She played a big part in it. Um, I see her growing every day, and this was the best in the world. And then also, I've had an abortion. It was either I keep this baby and struggle with the four-year-old, or I send her to parents who can give her the life that she deserves. Um, I don't regret anything that I did, but the only thing I do regret is having an abortion. Our adoption agency, Sherry Starling, is the, our person that we were working with. She was going to mail Miriam some books so she could um, have the opportunity to look at these different parents. And we were just looking through it, and there was this one specific book that we both um, pointed out. And it really, it felt like I kind of had a connection to it, in a way, like, God telling me this is what you need to be looking at. 
So Wiregrass Hope Center, they provided uh, valuable counseling to our birth mother, and she was able to go and be with them and um, really sit down with them. They poured into her and really supported her in a time of her life when she needed it the most. Ultimately, they were the ones who led her to our adoption agency. I've always known that I was called to adopt when you have PCOS and it's hard to have biological children. You immediately think of a, you know, adoption is the next route, but adoption was never the second route for us. It was always number one, even though I do have PCOS. It was actually kind of bad hospital experience for me because it didn't go the way I wanted it to and Rebecca she I called her whenever I needed her and she would talk me through and she would pray with me and so you definitely got me through it. It was such an honor to be a part of that process it was um, you know, of course, we've created such a bond and a friendship, and um, I can remember because of COVID, I couldn't go in the hospital and be with her physically, so we would just be on the phone, we would FaceTime, and I can remember driving, I was driving out to go to one, and I got a phone call, and Mary was crying. It was really hard, because I just pulled over on the side of the road and talked to her, and I said, what's going on? And she said, I don't know if I can do this. She said, I, I, I just, I'm not sure this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm scared. I don't know. I'm just really, really upset. And um, I have to say that, you know, it's amazing how God's presence, I feel, was in all of those moments. And he walked us through those things. And Rebecca and Derek were amazing in the hospital because since she couldn't have her support people there, they ended up being like her support people. Before we left the hospital, um, we spent time together in the room and we talked about how we're going to do this and um, how much um, I get to communicate with her and if I get to see her and just stuff like that. And it really put my mind at ease because I was having second thoughts, you know, and so. So we still have um, a regular correspondence with Miriam and we get to, you know, check in with her once a month and see, you know, how are you, how are you doing? How can we pray for you? Here's what's going on with her boots like. Here's the milestone that she's met. She, you know, she started school this month. She's sitting up, she's sleeping, you know, this amount of time. She's loving solid food. I mean, here's some pictures just so you can see, you know, how she's doing. And um, she has said very recently, like, there are days that it's still really hard. And I believe there will always be things for her that are hard. But knowing that she is to still see her grow up, that helps bring her joy in the midst of that. In one of the emails, I got a picture of, uh, it was her nursing and right above her crib. There was a drug off the room in the middle at the hospital whenever I had the baby. And we wanted to make sure that um, Willa Ruth always knew who her birth mother was. Um, and we wanted to make sure that that was a special part of her story. Um, so she's always going to know who her birth mother was and how special she is to us. Not just because of the fact that she's our birth mother, but because she's a child of God. And we wanted to make sure that she knew that and we want to make sure that she knows that. Adoption is may not be what the world sees the traditional way to build a family, um, but it's still a beautiful way to build a family. If you are on the fence about donating to Wiregrass, uh, write the check. It is it 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 may not be easy because adoption's not easy. Donating is not easy. Donating money is not easy. Donating time is not easy, but it is life-giving. And you make a difference in people's lives, and you make a difference in the kingdom. And you are the reason that we are here. And you are the reason that we have a birth mother who talks about her love of Jesus. And that can't happen without donations to pay the light bill and to pay salaries and it, 
it's because of you. So it, it's one of the best decisions you could ever make. So there's Miriam, and you know, Miriam, I, I love her. I, I, we still have remained close. Um, and you know, through all these decisions um, that these moms are making, when you have a any type of circumstance, it's never easy. So if you're parenting, it's not easy. If you choose adoption, it's not necessarily easy. Um, and then, of course, with that, with, if someone chooses abortion, um, the lie is that this will make it easier, that this will solve this issue, and that's that's not true. It doesn't make it easier. Um, the last thing I wanted to say, and I wanted to go back to where we were read about the Good Samaritan. And the Samaritan um, not only took pity on the person that had been robbed and um, not only just had compassion for them, but what did he do? Um, he went to him. He bandaged his wounds by pouring on oil and wine. Then he put him on his donkey and took him to the inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. You know, to me, that's such a picture of personal action to helping someone and personal investment. And so, you know, when we talk about loving our neighbors, whether it's the unborn or these moms, I just hope that um, you can take away from that, that God's called us to actually take action, to be able to um, say, God, put people in my life. Give me opportunities. Um, just even, you know, show me how I can serve you better by serving these moms and serving these unborns. And that, that doesn't mean like praying. We love to pray, right? But not just praying, actually doing things and really letting God lead you to do those things. So thank you guys so much for letting me share my heart and um, part of my story. I didn't even know I was going to share all that about my parents. But I just, you know, coming up on that anniversary, it really means a lot to just be able to share about their legacy and just in, encourage all of you as parents that what you're doing and what you're saying and all the things, the investments that you're making with your kids matters. And that there will be one day that they will be standing there saying, I'm so thankful I had great parents that loved me and taught me about God. So, thank you, Gabe.